Good morning. I think I would be remiss if I didn't offer a word of gratefulness and thankfulness to the Lord for rescuing nine miners yesterday. Uh, praise God, and we just praise His name for doing that wonderfully. Last week I told you that I wanted to look at some of the broad themes from the Gospel of John as they relate to the Lord Jesus. For me, to look at Jesus' interaction with people is to be very, very much encouraged. And I trust this will be the case for all of us here this morning. If you turn in your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I felt reaffirmed in my message for today when at the Lord's Supper, the Gospel of John from chapter 1 was read. If you turn to verse 35, we'll read verse 35 to the end of the chapter. And if I were to give a title to uh, what I have to say this morning, I guess it would be... uh, The involvement of Jesus with five people. Verse 35. Again the next day John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked upon Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. 
Our God and our Father, we thank you for this passage and for Jesus' involvement very early in this gospel with five men. And Father, as we study a little bit this morning together, we pray that you would take the printed page from which we read and make it alive to each of us. Bless us, we pray, our Father in heaven. Amen. There are three broad themes that are mentioned in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And these three broad themes are expanded upon as we read the rest of the story as John tells it. Chapter 1 of John's Gospel is an amazing chapter filled with remarkable contrasts. And I sometimes think of this uh, first chapter as a three-volume literary masterpiece. And each volume having a particular focus on the Lord Jesus. And I'd like to look at those three foci very briefly. Volume 1 is contained in verses 1 to 18. And this is commonly called the prologue, or a prologue are introductory words. And these 18 verses consider themes that are just vast and immense and just far-reaching. They focus on Jesus as the Word who is God. He existed from all eternity. And this volume is just mind-boggling. In volume number 2, verses 19 through 34, the focus narrows down to the same Jesus. But previously he was spoken of as the one through whom everything was made. But here he's introduced as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what a contrast from the almighty Creator to a Lamb. It, it just boggles your mind as you look at this contrast in this Gospel. In volume 3, verses 35 to 51, our passage for today, we again see this same Jesus involved with people. This Jesus, who is the Word, who is God, who is the Lamb of God, the focus now is on a conversational Jesus rather than a glorious, redemptive Jesus. Here Jesus is a friendly listener drawing out real people in real-life situations. He's the touchable Jesus. He spends time with people, finding out who they are, and then in beautiful words affirms them and encourages them. And it's this volume of Jesus and view of Jesus that I want to look at this morning. Just in summary, once again, Jesus is first introduced as the Word of God, who is God, to the Greek and Jewish world of His day. Jesus is next introduced as the Lamb of God to the crowds, some of whom had come from Jerusalem and were priests and Levites. They who were in charge of the sacrificial system, they have introduced to them the Lamb of God. Very appropriate. 
In our passage for today, we see Jesus seeking out and finding five men who would become disciples, followers of Jesus. As a matter of fact, this gospel is an intimate journal written in behalf of men and women of this century who may wonder about the truthfulness and meaning of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you have asked yourself questions like, how really personal is Jesus? Can a person have a personal interaction with Jesus Christ? And what is amazing about John's gospel is its breadth and its width. And we counter Jesus who is God from, as John puts it, from the beginning. We encounter Jesus as he interacts with people, many so very, very ordinary. And I'd like you to interact with the text with me. And I'd like for you to consider two things. First, how did Jesus see these five people? And the corollary, of course, is how does he see me? How does he see you? And the second question is, how does one become a disciple of Jesus? Before we begin, I'd like to define the word disciple. The word disciple means literally a learner. This is a person who attaches himself to a teacher, a certain teacher, spends time with that teacher, and follows him. How did Jesus see these early disciples? Of course, we, again, as I say, we need to ask the question, what does he see in me? What does he see in you? Look at verse 35. I believe that in the case of the first two disciples that we encounter, Jesus is introduced to two people who want to know him better. They had understood the message of John the Baptist with its emphasis on repentance in view of the coming Messiah and now that opportunity to get to know the Lord firsthand had arrived. One of these disciples is identified as Andrew in verse 40 and the other, I believe, is the Apostle John and the reason I believe it's the Apostle John is because there are too many intimate details in this writing that suggest it was an eyewitness. For example, in verse 39, the writer speaks of it being the tenth hour. That's a pretty intimate detail and uh, could only have come from one who was there. So I believe this was uh, the writer of the gospel who was the Apostle John. Now, the decisive act for both of these disciples was their decision to follow Jesus in verse 37. Theirs was a decision not to follow from a distance, but they wanted an intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Jesus immediately challenges their motives by asking, what are you looking for? What do you want? And Jesus probes them to find out whether they were motiv motivated by idle curiosity or by a real desire to know Jesus. At first glance, the disciples reply, well, where are you staying? You know, it doesn't really answer the question of Jesus directly. 
And the disciples, I believe, were not asking Jesus if He was staying at the Jordan Hilton or the Dead Sea Sheraton or whether He was uh, living in some borrowed goat's tent. I don't believe they were asking that. I believe they were asking, can we spend some time with you? They wanted an uninterrupted time with Jesus. So at, so at the invitation of Jesus to come and see, they followed Jesus and spent the balance of the day with Him. Have you ever wondered what you would talk about if you had to spend a day with Jesus? I don't know what questions these two men had. I don't know what they talked about. I do know this, that after spending time with Jesus, Andrew could hardly contain himself. And the first thing he did was to get hold of his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. What a discovery. What a discovery in a little period of time to have discovered something so wonderful and so immense. As you came to church this morning, are seated in your comfortable chair, what kind of discovery would you like to make today? Or did you think of a possible discovery? What would you like to discover? The idea of discovery implies that these men had been searching. And now that search was over. They had been searching and the search led them to become disciples of John the Baptist with the emphasis on preparing for the coming Messiah. And now these two men have found the answer to the greatest search in life. And they were excited. We have found the Messiah. Eureka. Jesus saw in these two men, searchers, men of serious intent, two men who wanted to know Him intimately. What does Jesus see in you? In me? Does He see someone who really wants to know the Lord Jesus better. Do you really want to know Him better? Does He see someone in you who wants to spend time with Him? Does He see someone who is a serious seeker? Are you a serious seeker after God? Are you? Let's move on to another disciple. That's two that we've talked about. In verse 42, we are told how Jesus saw Peter, the man that we call Peter, actually Simon. Andrew brings Peter, or Simon, to Jesus. And the text then says, Jesus looked at him. Literally, Jesus gazed at him. He gave Peter a searching look. Jesus studied him. And after that thorough look, he proceeded to give him a new name. And I want you to reread verse 42 with him, with me. 
It says there, he brought him to Jesus. Andrew brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. What Jesus saw in Simon, the man who was Simon, was vacillation, uncertainty, unreliability, impulsiveness, and failure. His name was Simon, sinking sand. How would you like to have a name like that? And as we read the Gospels, we see a lot of these Simon characteristics in the man that we know as as Peter. He was always putting his foot in his mouth. Always getting into trouble, it seems. Sometimes saying the wrong things. He couldn't stand up to a little girl at a fire. If you were given a nickname right now to describe your spiritual condition, what would it be? Would it be Rocky? You know, the comeback kid that eventually won the fight? Would it be Spacey? Someone who was kind of out of touch? Would it be Sleepy? (laughs) One who says... I'm bored. Would it be grumpy? One who says, everyone's against me and, uh, you know, he just is grumpy all the time. Would it be gracy? One who is thankful for what God is doing. Would it be Timex? I've only got time for my stuff. I don't have time for God. When the Lord Jesus looks at you and me, what, and when he sees the real me, the real you, what does he see? I believe our text in verse 42 is saying to us that when Jesus looked Simon over, He not only saw what Simon was, but get this, he saw what Simon would become, a rock, steadfast, strength of character, reliable, etc. Jesus saw what divine grace would accomplish in the heart of this man. And so Simon is given a new name. He's also a different man. Simon from this point on is Jesus man. Not perfect, but Jesus man. Aren't you glad that God is working in your life and is able to change those character flaws, those character traits, so that you can, like Simon, become a changed person. I'm glad that the Lord saw something in me that he could love. My favorite verse, I don't know whether you have favorite verses or not, but my favorite verse is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. And it reads like this, But by the grace of God, 
I am what I am. It's only God's grace that has changed me. That's all. Amen. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. The next person in our text that Jesus saw is Philip. Now, it is not immediately obvious from our reading what Jesus saw in this man, Philip. What we read of Philip later on in this gospel is a description of a very ordinary person. Perhaps even someone with limited ability. I don't know how many here consider themselves to be ordinary. But isn't it great that our Lord looks out for ordinary people? I, I'm so grateful for that. He looks out for them and He loves them and He calls the ordinary to follow Him. At the feeding of the 5,000, what Philip contributes is that, uh, well, Lord, eight months' wages isn't enough to feed those 5,000. It just can't be done. And here... He gives this uh, kind of ordinary answer to an extraordinary Lord. When the Greeks came to Philip and said they wanted to see Jesus, (laughs) what do I do? They want to see Jesus. He doesn't know what to do, so he consults with Andrew. A pretty ordinary reaction. In our text, Philip does not seek Jesus. But Jesus... It seems when out of his way, the text says he purposed to go through this particular area. Jesus purposed to go and the text suggests to find out, to find this man, Philip. Uh, I, I love that. He purposed, my text reads. Some of the apostles were undoubtedly men of great ability, but Philip allows us to reflect that others have been perfectly ordinary people. And Christ had and still has use for such followers. And our Lord loves Philip kind of people. A person with uh, that's so, so very ordinary. But I do like this about Philip. Philip is the one who introduces Nathaniel to Jesus. This ordinary person, if indeed he was that, could introduce another to Jesus. Now, what Jesus saw in Nathanael is very challenging to me. He saw in Nathanael a transparent person, a person with an open heart, a person with nothing to hide. Our passage says there was nothing false in him. The word false or guileless or deceit, as as some translations read, is really the word bait, like we use in going fishing, bait. In Nathaniel, there was no bait. There was no hook. He did not speak with a forked tongue. Another thing about Daniel is in verse 48. 
Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. The fig tree was often used as a symbol for home and also a place for meditation and safety. I'd just like to stop there and ask, uh, do you have uh, this kind of a fig tree? A kind of personal retreat center where you can sit down or kneel down uh, before your God, read his word, and commune with him. Nathaniel may very well have been studying and meditating on a scripture, and in particular the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 27 and, verse, and chapter 28. How do I know that? In verse 50, referring to the fig tree, again, Jesus says, Nathanael will see greater things than that. And I like to suggest greater than what he was reading about. In the book of Genesis, the story there tells us of Jacob resting one evening during his flight from Esau, whom he had deceived, whom he had beguiled, whom he had used bait on. In Jacob's dream that night, he saw a ladder standing on earth and reaching into heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And I believe that the greatest thing Nathaniel would see refers to something bigger than Jacob's dream in verse 51. Jesus is the ladder from earth to heaven. And the angels of God are ascending and descending on the Son of God. He is the ladder. He is the bridge between heaven and earth. And there is no other bridge. But there is a bridge. And it is Jesus. The Lord Jesus. He is the way. Nathaniel was privileged to see how a man could enter into the presence of God. Have you ever wondered how you could enter the presence of God? It's by the bridge. It's by the ladder. Into heaven. Have you ever seen Jesus that way? As a ladder into heaven? Ever seen him that way? Jesus saw Nathanael, a person without, de without deceit. He saw in Nathanael a man given to the study of the Word of God. And this is the story of the five men Jesus saw. Men that he called. Men that followed him. I'd like to ask this question again. Does God see in you a person that is willing to follow Jesus, to believe in Him? Does He see that in you? Are you willing to believe in Jesus? If you've not taken that kind of action, maybe this morning is the day that you take that step and believe and follow Jesus. Well, how does one become a disciple? I would suggest right at the very beginning, in the same way as these five disciples did. The same way. 
I want you to note that most of the early disciples were introduced to Jesus by somebody else. Andrew and the Apostle John were introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist. Andrew, after spending the day with Jesus, introduces as a first priority his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. That's verse 41. As a matter of fact, every time we read of Andrew in the Gospel of John, Andrew is bringing someone to Jesus. Nathaniel is introduced to Jesus by Philip. Philip himself is an exception. Jesus himself finds Philip. And it reminds me of my father, who found the Lord by reading for himself the New Testament. Each of these early disciples came to know something about Jesus and couldn't resist telling others about him especially their family members and those in their hometown. Each of these disciples came to certain conclusions about Jesus. Did you notice that as we read the text? And I want to point that out to you just in case you missed it. John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God. He saw Jesus that way. Can you imagine calling a 30-year-old person a lamb? That required some insight as to what Jesus would become. Andrew called Jesus the Messiah. The one who had been looked for for so long, for over so many centuries. And now he had found him. Philip called Jesus the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Nathaniel called Jesus the Son of God, the King of Israel. They each saw Jesus in a certain light. How do you see Jesus? Another one of my favorite verses is Psalm 116 and verse 1. And it reads like this. I love the Lord because... I just want to stop there. If you were... David, and you were seated at your desk, and you had a sheet of paper there, and you, and you wrote on the paper, I love the Lord because, how would you finish that? You're David now, okay, and you're writing this. How would you finish that? I love the Lord because. Well, you know what uh, David wrote? I love the Lord because he inclined his ear to me. And that word inclined means, literally from the Hebrew, is that he bent down to listen. Isn't that great? I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my supplication. The cords of hell had gotten hold of me and I cried out to God and he heard me and delivered me. I love the Lord because He's coming back. I love the Lord because His name is love. And I'm sure you could add just lots of things, and I could this morning as well. Who is Jesus to you? 
Is Jesus so exciting and important to you that you would like to get to know Jesus in a very personal way? Well, disciples are made by bringing people to Jesus. Take a last look at verse 35 where John the Baptist introduces Jesus as the Lamb of God. And I'd like to ask a question about that introduction there. Which is easier to do? To introduce Jesus as a great teacher or the Lamb of God? You know, you're you're talking with a, a friend. Well, you know, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Jesus. Would you begin by saying he's the Lamb of God? Or would you say he's a great teacher? Which is easier to do? Is it easier to introduce Jesus as a wonderful person or the Lamb of God? How do we speak to Je- of Jesus to others? Is the Lord Jesus someone so loving and so life-changing that you can hardly be quiet about him? I'd like to suggest that these five early disciples of Jesus openly shared Jesus with others, what Jesus was to them. Now, if as David in Psalm 116, verse 1, says, I love Jesus because he listens to me. He heard my cry. I was in trouble and he heard me. And I love him for that. I was sick, and I prayed to Jesus, and he heard me. I was miserable. I was depressed. And uh, I was down in the dumps, and I cried to God, and he heard me. My marriage isn't going so well, and so I cried to God, and, and he heard me. He listened to me. And one could go on. What do we see in Jesus? They, the disciples saw something in him and they wanted to share it with others. And that's how disciples are made. Now, as Jesus saw something in each of these early disciples, so he looks at us and sees us. Jesus sees in each of us what we can be by the grace of God at work in our lives. And he wants to meet our need to fulfill us, to change us, to encourage us. And I would like to encourage you to share what the Lord means to you with someone this week. Perhaps the Lord means Savior to you. Savior from sin, from the potholes of life. I'm sure there are Others who would like to hear about this kind of Savior. Perhaps the Lord means fulfillment to you. You know, he fills the emptiness. I was talking to a very renowned Bible teacher about three weeks ago. We were talking about a man who's a a head of a large denomination. He described him as a hollow man. Jesus fills the emptiness. And I'm sure that there are others who would like to know about this kind of Lord, one who fills the empty places. Perhaps the Lord means hope to you. 
He has given us a reason for living. And I'm sure that there are others who would like to hear about this kind of Lord that gives us hope. Perhaps the Lord means one who really loves you. And I'm sure in this world in which there's a lot of hate and animosity, that there are others who would like to hear about this kind of Lord. And I trust this morning that the characterization of the Lord Jesus that I've tried to present is someone you would like to really know personally. And if you don't know him as love, if you don't know him as save, if you don't know him as hope, today's a good day. Great day. Great day to discover and to move out of that doors and, and be able to say, uh, I found him. Wow. I found him whom my soul has been longing for and I didn't even know it. If you have that kind of desire this morning, as we pray, I'd like you to raise your hand. Okay? Let's pray. And please feel free to raise your hand at at any time. Father, we uh, come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we uh, just uh, pray that uh, this Jesus, who came into the lives of these five early disciples, is wanting to come into each life here. And so, Father, we just commit each person here, each person, Father, who has a unique and particular need that you alone can fill. We do pray, Father, for a responsiveness on the part of some here today. We give you thanks for your presence, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.